0: Wow. Live. Live from. New York. To this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. Wait
1: for the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his ankle! Follow me! Follow
0: me with freedom! He already put it. Here's your host, Mike, Mike Phillips. Phillips
2: what's up everybody welcome to this
1: episode of the just on the suffering podcast new york sports talk a long suffering fan your host mike phillips got a good show for you this week baseball season's wrapping up here we're going to do some more coverage of the locals week i'll be joined in just a bit by michael barron from just Mets. we're going to talk about the mets as they get ready for a big series this week in atlanta actually may not be in physically in atlanta because of the path of hurricane ian but this is three games of the Braves that could determine the state of the NL Talk about the Mets, what they got kind of look forward to going the playoffs. Some key questions that to answer. That's coming up with Michael Barron in just a bit. I'll also, do our Week Four NFL picks. Going to be joined by Charlie Bortles. Talk about the Bucks with his big the big loss to the Packers yesterday. They have a huge game against Kansas City on Sunday Night like Football next week. So talk to that. Adjust a bit. I'll also, talk to him the other shelf. It takes like two minutes. Talk about the Apple TV Plus situation. How MLB managed to get it wrong again. Talk about that as well. If you like it here on the Justin the Suffering podcast, feel free to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Justin the Suffering, your favorite podcast platform for episodes there. Feel free to hear your feedback and starting as well. Help, help make the podcast even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube, for video versions of the conversations from the podcast. Those are going to be on the YouTube channel again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get to our opening tip. We're going to talk some Yankees here. I'm going to be joined by Julian Gillardi of Grunt Talks. That's coming up here right after this.
2: Three, two,
1: one.
0: Y'all ready for this? The opening tip.
2: And here we go.
1: All right, we are back here on the Just and the Suffering podcast. Yankees getting ready for the playoffs. Joining me today, a big uh, content creator. You see a lot of him on Twitter. He covers the Yankees, some of their minor league affiliates. Julian Gilardi is here. Julian, how are you?
2: Good. I'm actually coming back uh from Somerset yesterday. They they made it to the championship now. So the minors is even bigger than my major league coverage this year, honestly. But that's gonna start shifting soon as the minors season's coming to an end and the Yankees have a huge stretch run ahead of them. But it's been uh, it's been busy with both of them. So I'm doing good. It's a lot of work.
1: Yeah, I seen you on Twitter. You've been down there a lot, you're doing some interviews down there, covering some of these players here. What's been what's your has
2: been like covering Somerset this year? Uh, it's been great, man. Probably one of the best minor league seasons in the whole league, honestly. Any level I'm talking about. Like they're 30 games over 500. They're two wins from a championship. You've seen Anthony Bowlby, who won player of the year. They have Jason Dominguez up there now. And they've had like six uh, top ten prospects at one point, even though Everson Brera was injured. So I've been spoiled down there. I've gotten the best of everyone, basically.
1: Yeah, you've gotten a lot of talent down there. There's a lot of talent in the Yankee big league roster as well here, including one Aaron Judge who – we're recording right now. He's still trying to break the uh, record for American league home runs that Roger Maris set in 61 here. And it's kind of, you go back to the beginning of the season when you said, Oh, okay. Like he's turned down this contract eight years, two He was injury history. I don't know, but he thought it, it might be a triple crown season here. I feel like this has got to be the greatest walk year of all time.
2: Oh uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I can't even think of one that really compares. I mean, Moogie Betts is a little bit different because they ended up trading him, and he didn't have to trade him technically. I know people actually talk about when Barry Bonds was a free agent with the Pirates. That's what I've heard a comparison to that he had a big walk here, but obviously the power numbers are nowhere near the same. And that's before Barry went crazy with the steroids and all that. So he was still a good Pirate, though. Don't get me wrong, but. Um, I think, yeah, it's the best walk here ever. I mean, he's gonna make he's gonna break some records here. He might win a triple crown. I mean, I've, that's never happened before in a free agent year.
1: Oh, certainly not here. Another thing I also feel like I look at here, a thing that sort of bothers me is like this whole debate going on right now. Oh, like, should Judge be the MVP or should Otani be MVP because he pitches? And to me, the thing about so it's, it's really dumb because A, Otani won so it last dumb. year, and B, like. You take Otani off the Angels, like, they're still in fourth place. They judge off this Yankee team. They might not make like the playoffs. It's their the opposite of points this year. So, I mean, if yeah. you include the word valuable in the MVP award, I feel like you got to give it to judge.
2: Well, I mean, his war is close to 11 now. So, if you go just based off that, it's 11 wins right there. And that that's not perfect by any means. But it is the best measurement we have to um, measure how a valuable player in a player is. No, I regard Um but honestly, that seems low almost every amount of games. He's actually won for them because <laughs> it seems like he's won almost every game for them. But his defense, you see it yesterday. Like, how do you quantify the throw at second base yesterday? Even though he he, he walked like three times, he almost hit a homer. Like, didn't even pitch him. And he still put his um, – he still put his print on the game. And no matter what, he always does that. He's the NBB. I mean, Otani's great. And he the Angels stink. I mean, I know that whole argument's tiresome, but, like, He's he's one he's a generational player. You're not gonna always really see what he does again, but he's not the MVP this year. Like you said, he won it last year. His hitting was a lot better last year. It's actually funny because now his pitching's a lot better this year. So like honestly, you can make a case for Otani any year.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. And you made a good point about Judge's defense too, because you think about it here. He spent a lot of this year playing in center field because. Except we didn't have a better option there because aaron hex was struggling
2: and yeah guys are hurt i mean i've like, heard his numbers by the way like the defensive numbers would have been way better if he was playing right the whole year
1: Yeah, just the fact he was so valuable able to do it though and help that team especially as a big yeah. guy six foot seven playing out position that's very physically demanding
2: it's you don't see that i think he's probably the biggest center fielder ever i would assume to actually do that but um it's um that is valuable in itself even though the numbers didn't show it he has him as a great center field defender but um, just what he was able to do to have him sit down Hicks because Higgs was unplayable for so long and still is, honestly. That's why Bader's over here now. And that's been a great pickup as well. Um, but yeah, Judge is the MVP. He has a good shot at the Triple Crown. I kind of want to check the batting average race right now. That's what I was about to do uh, because I know it's actually interesting because Xander Bogarts is the runner up and now we're playing the Red Sox. So if they could get him, if they can have keep him in check, that'll help Judge even more.
1: Yeah, for sure here, and it's also funny, you mentioned Somerset too, I feel like you've seen a lot of uh, players to pray through on rehab assignment lately down there, uh-huh. because there's so many injured guys over the second half, whether it's uh, Rizzo just came back, Lemayhew is still hurt, you got Rolvis Chapman, Zach Britton, Z- yeah. Scott F. Frost, like a lot of the bullpen rotations all this time, all the guys who are on their way back, if you think about the biggest impact when they when they contribute to the uh, postseason roster.
2: Oh, such a tough question. There's so many guys. Like, where do I begin with this one? I mean, I could give you a long win to the answer. I could give you a brief to the point answer, but I'll say something quick about the rehab assignments. I got to see four players in one day when I went up to Connecticut. I saw Castro, Chapman, Brain, and Harrison it all together. Um, there was no Rizzo down there or Mayhew. I did get to see Marinaccio. Uh, I got to see Steven riding. So I've seen a bunch of guys down there this year. It's been fun. But who do I think makes the biggest impact? Zach Britton could be potentially because if he can be what he used to be just a little bit, the bullpen's really been struggling right now. So I could say Zach Britton's a dark horse answer for me. If you want me to go towards the offense, if they could somehow get Matt Carpenter back, that's the easy answer. But I don't know if he's going to make it back. And then Ben and Tony, he's going to be big too. DJ I'm worried about because he's been banged up all year and he's not going to be 100% when he returns.
1: Yeah, that a great point on Carpenter and Bennington. Both were big cause of the offense. Obviously, if it, those guys, it feels like they're still a ways off. I mean, we heard recently that Benetton, he might come back in the playoffs. and might not be like the ALCS, if that. And Carpenter yeah. conquered the broken foot. I mean, when he got down, it was really when the Yankees went that big slump offensively because he was sort of the big key behind Judge in that lineup.
2: Yeah, they, you know, they started sliding a little bit before he went down, but then him going down kind of just pushed him over the edge of going the wrong way because he played in that St. Louis series. They got swept uh, he almost had a few homers that series, but they stay in the yard. Then he gets hit against Seattle the next day, and then you see a tailspin. And yeah, Carpenter's numbers—I think the OPS and slugging actually higher than Judge somehow, which is crazy—and shows how good Carpenter was in the limited sample size. But he was a huge because he was from—he was hitting from the left side of the plate. He was giving them power and balance. He was hitting for good contact too. Uh, he was just a story, and he was a bonus because no one expected it.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Here, let's talk about some of the playoff uh, scenarios here, because obviously, like by the time this comes out here, we're recording on Friday, the twenty-third. Like, Yankees should have the at least wrapped up by that point, because
2: right, we're uh, at six now, yeah, you
1: know, and they're going to Toronto this week, so they figure the job will get done by the time this ends up coming out here. So, and they're not catching Houston based on where they are on the standings. Yeah, that's so, done, yeah, yeah. So let's so now get ready for the ALDS here. Let's take a look here at what the rotation look at the playoffs. Because obviously, here you have Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, they'll really be both in there. Like, how did they fill out the first round rotation?
2: This is going to be a tough question, actually. You have a lot of candidates here because uh, Frankie Montas is a wild card now with his shoulder issue. I think he's slated to come back. They said retroactive to the 17th, so that would make him eligible for the second, I think, or the first if he's good to go. But that's a big question, Mark, because that shoulder's been bubbling him all year, and he's been a disappointment. I think the shoulders could going to play a part. So you're looking at Severino, obviously. He's going to slide in there now that he's back. He looked good the other night. I think he'll be close to that 100 pitch count but the time October rolls around. And then I think it could be Jamison Tyone. You so saw what he did yesterday. Uh, he's making his case to get in that playoff rotation. You know, Domingo Herman hasn't been a bad option either. So even without Montas, you have a fight. I think it's a fight between Tyone and Herman for the fourth spot. If Montas returns, I think Tyone and Herman get pushed to the bullpen.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a very important situation because in the past I've seen some recent series where the Yankees, you know, sort of don't have the depth rotation behind Cole where they say, okay, we'll, we'll do a bullpen day basically from all of these games. But the bullpen hasn't been great late. So that's like you really need somebody in that back end of the group to step up. Yeah, some
2: I also think that you could see a situation that this can benefit the Yankees here. Let's say Montas has a low pitch count or something. You could piggyback him with Tyon or Herman, maybe, or even if Severino has to go early, you could do the same thing. So they can have like a few starters in the hole to be ready in case another guy doesn't have it. So I think that's going to be big.
1: Yeah. I'm just trying to look up the ALDS schedule right now. Cause I remember there's a couple of off days in there as well. So like that might also help the Yankees so, as well.
2: Yeah. I think what happens is it's actually kind of weird. Like I, and the ALCS schedule sucks. Like if they play three through seven without off days, I think which is yeah. terrible. But like, I, it's because they had the lockout and they did the, um they had, and they changed it, unfortunately. So here's my understanding of the schedule. I think what happens is the Yankees get game one October 11th if they win the division, which we know they should. You get an off day in the 12th, then you play the 13th then I want to say it's off day, play, play, off day, play, if necessary. I'll double check I, I do. I, I do have that up right now for you.
1: So they is game one's on the 11th. You were correct on that. Game two is the 13th. It's a day off between. They've done a the day off, and then they play Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So theoretically, they can only need three starters.
2: Oh, so do they have an off day after Sunday, or is it three straight after that? It's Saturday, Sunday, Monday. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I it would really want doesn't. the off day. When, like, I hate that so much. Like I would want the off day. For the travel day for game five, I don't want it in between game one and game two. Like, what the hell do we need that for? Like, yeah. it's going to be in the same stadium. Like, uh, it, god. It, well, it, hopefully, we don't have to worry about the three straight because I don't want to have to burn three straight bullets going into the ALCS.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, right, the, the one bit for, for them is, considering their are taste of it in flux, they could theoretically ride just three stars. They have to get through game five because you're more than two guys could come back on normal rest.
2: Right, that is the one thing about that because if you have an off day, yeah, I think it's yeah, I think that kind of works out. Cause wait, let me try to do this quickly. So you have the day in between. You, you have guys- game two, three. You have you have game two game yeah sounds like three days yeah you could bring the first guy back on five so it might be four still depends unless you want to do three for someone
1: yeah I think would see depends how they're healthy especially if the montage situation doesn't play out here but I think the bigger thing for them to worry about the first round is to be their bullpen because especially the closer I know Aaron Boone <laughs> said yesterday that you're not going close by committee which does not sound great you're heading into the playoffs here <sighs> so like is there a guy back that you actually trust the most in terms of like who's going to get the biggest outs in that bullpen
2: I don't know, but that's the biggest question mark. I think more than anything, honestly, more in the rotation, more in the lineup. That bullpen's been erratic. I mean, Clark Schmidt's been pretty good, but yesterday was not good. Um, the people were saying him an outside the box option that I wouldn't do, but I've heard this one suggested. Domingo Herman. I've heard people say he could try him in that role, but I want him to pitch more innings. I wouldn't want to just use him for one. I mean. I would say maybe Loisaka I would give it to. Efros, if he shows he can pitch out the uh, I think he has some good closer components. Chapman scares me in October, and you know how his walks can get. Clay Holmes, it should be, but he's not been the same since he got injured and then he fell off in the first half. Seems like he got figured out or he's thrown too many innings or something. Although last night he looked good, so I don't even have a straight answer, honestly. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's a very fascinating question. It's something you would hope and maybe the next like week to 10 days, somebody I'll say, oh, we're hot. Therefore, I'm going to be the guy in tonight bidding.
2: I don't know if I would still trust it, though, because could the person stay hot long enough without having a blow-up? Like, I don't know. I mean, I think it is going to be match. and matching. Like, Juan Peralta just went down. He's done it a little bit. Like, if you have some tough lefties, could it be Zach Britton again? He hasn't pitched in over a year in the major leagues, So, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be interesting. You're going to be holding your breath for those last three outs in October. It seems like whoever is getting the ball. So let's just hope that they figure it out somehow. Because I will say that you can. a lot of teams don't use the conventional closer anymore. So you can do this, but it's not like your traditional style.
1: Yeah, it's a very unusual problem the Yankees have because usually they have the dominant bullpen that's going to help them out in October. here. <laughs> and like you don't even know if they have enough starters to sort of do the national offer years ago where you have me like Garrett Cole throwing bullpen innings on his, on his throw days.
2: Yeah, it's going to be something. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Here, let's talk a little bit about the potential playoff teams right now because right now it's going to be locked in the two seed. The Guardians should be the three seed, The probably the six right now. is, basically any of those three teams, figure out how it plays out here in terms of uh, the matchups here. Like, who do you think would be the toughest draw from the Yankees if they had to space them in round one?
2: All right, let me look. Let me check these wild cards in the Guardians and see what I feel about this. I mean, I have a couple interesting answers here. I think that, um, the Guardians kind of seem like a team that's flying onto the radar. I wouldn't really like to play them too much right now. Their pitching's pretty good. But if I was going to go past them, it's the Toronto Blue Jays because Alex Manoa is still a beast and he gives the Yankees fits. I think their lineup's probably the best still. The Seattle Mariners kind of scare me a little bit too. The Yankees had trouble with them this year. And Luis Castillo's been good against the Yankees. Of course, they wanted us to get him and all that, but. I think Tampa Bay. I'm not too worried about. Honestly, the Yankees kind of show they can take care of them this year. Um, so that's how I view it. I would say Toronto. Actually, I still feel a little bit worried about them.
1: I like think they all have their own different sets of problems. Like, Toronto has the big wire that can kill you. They have some top top line pitching. Seattle has the great pitching that can beat you, but they include Cleveland don't really have the play experience. For me, I would personally say Tampa just because again I think like the mental edge they have in terms of October. They've done it before and. Feels like whenever they play the Yankees, they're not afraid of them, as opposed to the other three teams might have that little bit of a fear of the October mystique of going to the Bronx.
2: That's very fair. I'll give you that. But here's the two things I'll say about that. The first thing is that we Tampa Bay beat the Yankees. So there's no fans. They didn't have to go through the actual Bronx gauntlet. We've never seen them go through there in October. So that's going to be a lot different. And the second thing is, that if there's a team that's more injured than the Yankees, it's Tampa Bay. That's that fair. team's been banged up all year, and I think it's really taking a toll on them because they don't have the depth due to the lack of funds. So they can't fill in these holes that well once they start getting injured. Like, when their top talent goes down, it's tough for them to replace it.
1: Absolutely. Last question here is, obviously, we're going to – like, we'll play the highlight. Okay, see, so us they get through the ALDS, they have to deal with the Astros, the ALCS. they not going to have home field. is going to be in Houston again, like – I feel that, they match. I yeah. they match up right now with Houston because Houston obviously has been the team's given them fits the last like five six years.
2: Yeah, that's the one we got to get over still, and since 2017. But here's what we always know: I mean, when the Yankees are going to go to the World Series. It's always going to go through Houston. So they got to man up. They got to do it. I mean, how do I think they match <laughs> up personally? I kind of want to check out the Astros rotation really quick. Let me see what that's looking like, and then I'll give you a better answer on that. But I think it's going to be tough, especially going on the road. But Yankees lineup once if everyone's healthy, big if obviously, I think they could be fine. I think they would need one of Carpenter and Ben and back at least. I think um for the Astros, they would probably pitch Furlanzer McCullers, Valdez, and then I would guess Christian Javier would probably get that fourth start potentially. And then they would have Luis Garcia and Jose Rikidi ready to go out of the bullpen quickly because Valdez has been low-key one of the best pitchers in baseball this year, had like 24 25 straight quality starts. I don't know if that streak is still going on, but he's been a nightmare this year for opposing hitters. And then Javier had the no, combined no-hitter against the Yankees. That guy owns the Yankees. So they're going to definitely want to pitch him against us. And then you know Verlander and McCullers are a guarantee. So that's what I think they would end up doing probably.
1: Yeah, I think the one thing is also people have not really put together yet. This is going to back to the playoff schedule here is that, like, through the compression from the lockout and make the extra round. There's only one off day in the entire ALC. Oh, you so. might need a fifth,
2: actually. You're right. You might need a fifth starter, unfortunately. Yeah, because Well, uh, this... I'm like, yeah, well, I'm trying to think. Yeah, just, yeah there's need... only one off day. So yeah. you go one, two. There's and an off you day. Get, you would have to short someone probably. Yeah. and print five stars maybe that'd be interesting. Yeah,
1: because, it's like, it's sort of interesting because, like, the Yankees have that problem right now where they're not sure of who their fourth is. And they might have to figure out, hey, do we go five or bring people back on short rest the rest of the way as opposed to, like, I know the NL side, like, a lot of those teams have, like, five quality stars. They could do it in theory.
2: Yeah, so I'm thinking, like, if the Yankees want, yeah, they'd have to go four and then, like, I think it will be normal rest if you do four potentially. I kind of just did the math quickly because yeah. Garrett Cole could go game one and he could pitch game five and then they'll have the off day.
1: There is um, no, there is no off day T five and seven, six and five. Yeah, I
2: know They'll have one between two and three, so that gives them an extra one. So he gets two off three, three, four, and then they could pitch in five maybe. But then if you do it two, then it becomes interesting. But we'll see what they want to do. If they do five, I mean, the Yankees could do five. Like They could just do the five we mentioned before. So – could to be interesting. I know the World Series is back to normal, I think. Yeah, like is. I think at least they have that normal. But yeah. I hate the ALCS thing and, like, not in the game one, game two gap, and then no game off dates. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a little weird. The NL the same way. It's the same one, two, and then they have the off day, then five, three to seven are played straight. I through. just
2: can't wait till next year till everything's finally normal for the first time since, like, 2019. Like, there's going to be a normal season. Like, everything's going to go as it should finally. No more COVID issues, although COVID's still a thing, but for, for the no. MLB schedule's sake.
1: No lockouts. And, uh,
2: no lockouts and like not no content scheduling like i'm just so over all that
1: yeah we'll see that we'll see what happens here see how the yankees end this year julian thanks for all the time really appreciate it for i want to let you guys people follow me keep up with some of your uh, yankee coverage
2: okay so julian Gallardi one on twitter so you can get me instagram julian galardi 11 check out out in the field one on all platforms and then check out grunt baseball as well youtube channels and that's what i would say instagram twitter facebook and then we even have a twitch for out in the field but i haven't used it that much and tiktok
1: all right so check check, check, check all that stuff out julie thanks for all the time really appreciate it
2: <laughs> thank you for having me in.
3: meet the mets meet the mets step right up and greet the mets bring your kitties
2: bring your wife Guaranteed to have the time of your life Because the Mets are really sucking the ball
1: Right, we are back here on the podcast getting ready to talk about the Mets as they enter a critical final week of the regular season before they get into the playoffs. Join me today Thought the Mets in the offseason season of him last year. Now we're sort of seeing the fruits of their labor here. Michael Barron is here. Michael, how are you? Good, how are you? Good to see you. Good to see you indeed here. I got to say, when we talk about the Mets in the offseason, I did not think we could have imagined a scenario where the Mets sort of put together this kind of year where we're in late September. They're going to win 100 games, more likely than not. They have a shot to you know, win the World Series after all of this. Can you give me sort of your general feel on how this year has gone for the Mets?
0: Well, I, mean, I, I agree. I think um, I think they've exceeded even, uh, I would assume they've exceeded the front offices' expectations. I mean, I know they'll say, like, you know, we expect to win every game, blah, blah, blah. But I think they've played, and really since day one, they've played, you know, this brand of baseball, which I didn't, I don't think anyone quite expected. I mean, their, their offense is so contact centric, don't hit for a lot of power, but they get on base and, you know, even in, you know, even amidst their slump, you know, their slump in early September, you know, they still managed to keep their head above water, you know, even though it was against, you know, second division teams. And they're still, since the all-star break, I think they, they're the, the league leaders in batting average and on-base percentage. I mean, I think they've gotten what you would expect out of Max Scherzer. Um, perhaps even a little less because he's been hurt, you know, quite a bit. And I think, you know, going into the season, you know, maybe there was an expectation that Jacob DeGrom would be available for more games. And so I think they've done a lot more with a lot less than people thought they would do um, at at the jump. And um, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I think it speaks to the culture and the character of the team. I think the manager matters a lot in this case i I think he's hands down the manager of the year by the way um given yeah i know the payroll was high but you know he's had to deal with a lot of adversity a difficult schedule his top two starting pitchers not pitching together a whole lot um and yet here we are like you said they're on pace to exceed 100 wins and you know they're in good shape to win the division, that's for sure. Um, they still need to, you know, continue to work and, you know, and need to take care of their own business against against the Marlins going into the Braves series at the end of the week. But, you know, here they are, you know, despite it all, you know, all the double headers and the rainouts early in the year, and, you know, not having Degrom, not having Scherzer, you know, all that, and it's it's amazing. I think they they've exceeded, you know, those those expectations for sure.
1: Yeah, I think amazing is definitely the right word. I want tell you a couple of points. You, you Start with Show Showalter. I do feel like it should be the front runner for the NL manager of the year based on everything you said here. I mean, like, how important do you feel like he's been to this team? I feel like any other manager of like this team is, like, at least, like, eight or nine games behind the Braves right now, what they've gotten through this year.
0: Yeah, well, and I think, you know, all things being equal, you know, that he, they've been, they've been able to stave off the Braves, who have been insane since June 1st. Like, they've been absolutely insane since June 1st. That they've come this far and have, you know, relinquished first place for just 24 hours, you know, given how well the Braves have played and what the Mets have been through is pretty amazing. It's pretty incredible. And, you know, just when you think the Mets are on the brink, you know, they're, they're one foot, you know, over the ledge, you know, they pull back and, you know, they go on and run again. And, you know, like I said, you know that's that the, these they they've had a lot of great character building wins over the course of the year. You know those amazing come that amazing comeback against Philly, the amazing comeback against the Cardinals. You know to just to just you know just to mention those two, plus you know their really well played season series against the Dodgers. I mean that those are the kinds of games that you know bring teams together. And um, I know it's about the talent on the field, and they have a huge payroll. And don't get me wrong, but you know they're still human beings, despite how much no matter how much money they make. so um you know i I, I think it's it's they're they're a great story, you know to, despite you know, given what they've had to go through all year. I mean, I know every team has had the same number of doubleheaders, but you cake on the doubleheaders because of the rainouts, plus the you know they have had a more difficult schedule than the Braves. I mean no, no that's a pretty under discussed topic. I mean the Braves have played, you know. I think six or seven fewer games against teams under 500 this year than the Mets have. And the Braves are under 500 against teams at or over 500, whereas the Mets are 10 games over. So you know, they've been able to persevere. And you know, that's another big reason why they're in first place because they've hung in against, you know, a real difficult schedule. And I think it, it, th- they may be a better team even than their record would indicate given the schedule and the circumstances. So, um, you know, it's, it could just be sounding like a homer at this point. But, you know, it, I think, you know, when you look at the Dodgers' record, and with all due respect, of course, I mean, it's an amazing team. You know, everybody knows that's an amazing team. They don't have the competition in the NL West, and they don't have to deal with the Yankees, and they don't have the, the same strength of schedule that maybe a team like the Mets have have had over the course of the year. And that matters. You know, that that impacts the record. So they could be a better team than even the record would say. And the Mets are a 100-plus win team. Yeah, that's for sure here, and I want to talk
1: about the importance of winning the division you brought up here because obviously this series against Atlanta is really going to determine everything because they need one win for the tiebreaker. If they can take care of this it, tomorrow, they should to enter the series up in the division here. And that gets to the weather situation a second here, but like, what's the difference for the in, Europe, in your opinion between them winning the division, getting that two seed, as opposed to being the four and having to host the three wild card games in the City Field? Those are the two options they really have left on the table for themselves right now.
0: Look, I think look no further than the Starling Marte situation, right? I mean, if you can get him, you know, another three or four days off or five days off to get that hand a little healthier, right? I mean, that could be the world of difference rather than, you know, forcing to forcing the situation where he has to come back prematurely where the hands, you know, he's still dealing with a lot of pain and, you know, he has still building strength and so on and so forth. I mean, I think that's, that's one key difference. And look, like, The fewer games that you need to play to get to the World Series, the better off you are. You never know what's going to happen in a three-game series. And, you know, if they get the Padres, you know, the Mets didn't exactly fare well against Padres this year. The Cardinals are always seem to have this kind of magic that follows them like every year. And, you know, you don't want to play in a wild card series, even if it's going to be at home, even if they know they'll have DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett throwing in that series. Like, you know. Uh, on any given day you know adam wainwright has waved a magic has waved his magic wand at the mets for years yadier molina has waved his magic wand at the mets for years and you know that's, that's just two examples you just don't the fewer games you have to play in the playoffs the better right and so you want that division plus the division is a far greater accomplishment right than than winning the wild card especially for the mets who have been in first place you know minus 24 hours since april 11th right to to finish the wild to finish with the wild that's wild card even if it's the top wild card um it, it feels a little bit like the season got get spoiled in that case um you know I don't think it's a it takes away from how good how good they are but the division is the prize you know it it's that, that's that's what they want that's what they want you know a part of this run to be remembered for that they persevered through it all they were able to stay, stave off the amazing graves right despite it all and um i think that's really where it's at I, I don't think a wild card is in there i don't think that's what they're shooting for at all at this point
1: yeah i also got the weather lift for this series here because obviously we're recording ahead of the in mean, there now they the tropical storm hurricane Ian right now is on track to, i think make landfall in florida here it's supposed to pass over that atlanta area over the weekend here like how do you think the league's going to handle this obviously the number one concern is obviously like extra everyone's safe down there and all this situation in terms of the baseball stuff here with the mets and the Braves here like. Do you, think, do you see a world where they don't move up one of these games to Thursday for the off day to get in? Do you see like, them moving it to a neutral site, double Like I feel like there's a lot of odds on the table here. I,
0: I can't. Personally, I can't see the Braves wanting to move anything up. Um, I, I think I, I, it just doesn't seem like dude, that would be any, the, the, the The hurricane is probably one of the most disadvantageous things for the Braves in all of this, right? because they're a game out, they know if the Mets win, the magic number goes down by three. So they want all these games in Atlanta where they're in front of their home crowd, where the Mets just, it's just a house of horrors. Every, you know, in every seemingly in every big series, right. That, you know, they want, they want those, those stars aligned for them. And if the hurricane, um, you know, if, if the hurricane moves that series to like wherever, like they immediately lose that, home crowd advantage. Like there's no, I don't believe necessarily in a home field advantage as much as there's a home crowd advantage. And, you know, it certainly matters here in New York. I think it matters in Atlanta, um, especially with, you know, with that team and, you know, that organization, the fan base, um, you know, so I, I do it's, you know, I'm not a weatherman. I don't know. Um, but I MLB, there's a precedent for MLB to move um, games of significant import to um You know, different venues. It's not coming to the Northeast because the Braves will never agree to that. You know, the Braves would never agree to these games being played in Philadelphia, Washington, Boston, or anything that's within driving distance of New York because you know what's going to happen this weekend if that's (laughs) the case. So, you know, I would expect the Braves would want that game, you know, further, further west if possible. Obviously, not in Florida. That would be a bad idea too. Even if, you know, the weather was fine or, okay. Like there are plenty of Met fans there. I'm just, you know, that's in there, you know, going through their heads. Like that's a very, very smart organization. So they're going to want it as neutral as they can. I think we just have to wait a couple of days to see what MLB decides, you know, as the forecast becomes a little clearer um, and the track becomes a little bit clearer. I mean, they may get away with this after all and maybe be able to play in Atlanta. You know, time will tell, but I'm sure they're making plans just in case. Yeah. i assuming we would hear by tomorrow like,
1: before these things have to travel. I would assume that that's when we hear about this.
0: Yeah, I would expect you'll hear something, like I said, in the next 48 hours. Um, I would agree.
1: We've still got some playoff scenarios here for the Mets here, starting, I think, with the big question of the hour over the last few weeks here has been, what do the Mets do with the D.A. spot against the right-handed hitting, right? with the right against <laughs> the lefty pitching? Because, obviously, the Darren Ruff thing, I think, has been beaten to death on Twitter. It has not worked out for them under any circumstances here. They're kind of in a buy until Starling Marte comes back here, like – do you think this ends up being a situation where they just keep running rough out there and hoping he gets going? Do they give Vientos more of a shot? Do they just go the Eduardo Escobar route? How would you handle the right EDH?
0: I think you're starting to see them go with Vientos a little bit more. I think he's you – know, he, you know, he's his bad is starting to come around a little bit too, which is a nice thing. Um, I, I think ultimately – the team should want to give those at bats to the younger player, especially when the, the, the veteran has you know struggled in the manner. He has, I mean, you're absolutely right. Vientos has been just, I'm sorry. rough yeah, has been terrible. Right. And there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. So um, I think they'll roll with Vientos at this point until Marte's becomes available. Um, and then, you know, we'll just have to see, like, it, it depends. I think it depends on the situation. Right it's difficult you know Buck is the kind of manager where you know he may um he may defer to the veteran in the those pressure cooker situations right um he may um I don't know um I don't necessarily agree with that because you know he has you know like I said rough has been ineffective it's a big problem for them I mean I, you know, I don't necessarily have a, a good answer for you except. At this point, they have nothing to lose by going with Vientos, right? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to continue to, you know, go with something that has failed him for the last seven weeks. So um, I expect it will be Vientos, and when Marte comes back, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, I think the problem I see with the with the whole rough thing is not even just like the fact that he's not hitting, because they keep hitting him like five or six in the lineup, and like there's short-circuiting rallies the way the lineup's constructed.
0: Well, yeah, I—, I <laughs> He's, he's just been an ineffective player. That's all there is to it, right? I mean, time and time <clears> – <throat> excuse me, time and time again, he's come up in key spots and failed. You know, he's failed to get rallies going. He's It seems like he's – maybe has, like, three or four hits since he got here, literally. And, you know, that's just not going to play in a pennant race. And I think the Mets know that, which is why you've started to see Buck shift to Vientos a little bit. And I think that's paid dividends. You know, Vientos had his first home run over, over the weekend in Oakland. Um, It, it, it always – you know, it often—I should say—takes a while for hitters to, um, for for the game to slow down a little bit for the young prospects that come up through the minor league system, especially with, you know, a lot of fan—the ones that you know with a lot of fanfare, especially in New York. It seems right. It always just seems to take time. Um, so I—I I think you know, at this point, Vientos is owed the opportunity. How long that lasts will depend on how much he hits, right? Um, but either way, if um. You know, if Marte comes back this weekend, and that's that's the hope that he, they can at least activate him and he can be available, maybe not play in the field or maybe he's available off the bench. But I think they need his option. His, his, I, they need him as an option this weekend, if if at all possible. Right. I mean, I don't think, you know, there's it's difficult to go into that brave series without, you know, like arguably their most athletic player on, on the team. Yeah. So I mean, he's a really great player. He absolutely is here. Let's talk about the
1: playoff rotations there. Obviously, like, assuming they get to the NLDS here, they have the top three locked in with the Grom, Scherzer, and Bassett in some order here. Like, who do you see being their fourth starter for
0: that round? You know, it's a good question. Um, I think the difference between Walker and Carrasco is negligible, and that's what it's going to come down to if they decide to go with four starters. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a foregone conclusion. I mean, it depends on the schedule and how it all plays out. I think ideally you'd like to go with, you know, the three headed monster and use the off days to the advantage. I mean, you don't want to, if, and if someone, if, if if someone's turn in the rotation comes around and it's three days rest, then you insert the fourth starter. I don't think they should have a static four man rotation going into the postseason. you know, off days, rainouts. you know, there are a lot of different things that change things up. And, um, I think right now the conversation should be centered around, okay, well, how do they win the division and then, you know, win the division, then they can figure out the rotation because they'll have a better idea what the schedule looks like. Right. Cause if they, if they win the wild, if they're, if they're forced into the wild card, you know, it's a three man rotation anyway, right. Because it's a three game series, then a day or two off before the division series, and then they can reset and go back to number one anyway. So, you know, there, there, I think it just depends. I I don't even think it should be a discussion. Until they know exactly what the where they are in the tournament. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I mean, obviously the
1: way assuming it stays according to plan, they basically have I think their big three mile for Atlanta and then I think Bassett would pitch one sixty two, but even now with the hurricane throwing this, you can't really do anything about that yet.
0: No, and look, I mean, I don't think you're going they're gonna rain anything out. I think they're gonna move games if they know if there's even a threat of a rain out in, in Atlanta this weekend. I think and there are gonna be no doubleheaders. Yeah um that's that's just my personal opinion they can't do that it's not fair to either team yeah i agree with that you're talking about the playoff bullpen here because obviously edwin diaz not great
1: all year we figure at this point that like seth lugo adam out trevor may are going to be locks, in if michael gibbons is back from the COVID list he should be in here how do you think they round out the bullpen
0: that's you know that's another mystery i mean i you know every time i always i always say like the bullpen the linchpin in the bullpen is seth lugo right if seth lugo is pitching well the bullpen seems to be pitching well. When Seth Lugo isn't pitching well, you know, they're they're left to um they're scat- they're left they're left scrambling to try and fill that role. Um and Seth Lugo's been up and down, you know, he's been inconsistent. I think he had a good run here in the middle of the season, but he's regressed a little bit as expected. Um, I mean, like you said, you know, Otavino and Diaz are no brainers for the end of the bullpen. They have to get Gibbons back and get him get him going again. Um, there's no no doubt about that. Um, I don't personally think Drew Smith is in play at the moment. I don't think he's pitched enough, um, and I don't think he's shown enough, um, just to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be a factor, you know, certainly not, you know, in pivotal p- postseason innings. Um, you know, Trevor May, you know, he had a rough weekend, but I think he's been better lately as well um and i think look i think trevor may like they're gonna live and die with trevor may at this point you know he's i don't like because like who else would they go with there's nobody else to turn to in that role so he would be you know your your typical seventh inning um your typical seventh inning reliever um you know from there but they have to carry i mean it just depends on how many starters they carry which will determine what they do with david peterson and you know there, there are a lot of a lot of balls in the air how does david peterson fit into this has Tyler McGill shown enough to be um, a late inning reliever for them? You know, the stuff is certainly there. But again, like, has he shown um, enough competence in that role? You know, that's a big adjustment for him. It's a big adjustment for David Peterson. So point is, like, you hear, like, a lot of, a lot of ifs and question marks between Smith. You know, Lugo will be there, but he's still a question mark. You know, Peterson, McGill, um, Givens has to come back. You know, so the bullpen is a big question right now. It's a concern because of all this stuff. Yeah, do you think they would go without a lefty? Because really their only options
1: in the bullpen right now, lefty wise are Peterson, Joel Rodriguez, is not very either converted starter and guy who's not been
0: very consistent all year long. Right. I mean, that that that's the thing. Like it's the the bullpen the amazing part about the bullpen, it's really it's really Edwin Diaz and Adam Atavino, but they're what, eighty six and 0 when leading after eight innings. But when you look at the way the bullpen has performed in general, you think about that stat and say, That's just not possible. But That's because the eighth and ninth innings have been so locked down for them. The problem is, has been getting to the eighth inning for them, Um, you know, again, they're 97 and 50, what are seven, whatever they are. So they haven't had too much of a problem, you know, getting, you know, getting to the end of the games. But, you know, in in the, in the playoffs, I mean, you're starting to see an evolution in the way the starting pitchers are managed, you know, they're, they're, the, the, the better teams seem to be able to lean on their bullpen the most, you know, the Astros are very good at that. The Dodgers are very good at that in the postseason. like the game, the game almost changes in the tournament as they, you know, just, so it would be very difficult for the Mets to lean on the bullpen for, you know, tw- more, 12 plus outs consistently because of all the questions and issues that they've had in that part of the bullpen. Um and they can only go to the well so often with Adam Adovino and Edwin Diaz as well. Although they're going to pitch, you know, they're going to pitch till their arm falls off. in the playoffs. But, you know, there's only so much you can get out of, get out of them on, you know, if you're just going to keep you know, going to the well with them. So they have to, they have to find someone else who, you know, who, you know, they, they, they can trust to take the ball and get them to those later innings, because they're not going to be able to rely on Diaz for five outs all the time. They're not going to be able to rely on Adovino for more than three outs all the time. So, you know, who, who's that, who's that guy? Well, that you know, maybe it's Gibbons, you know, I think Seth Lugo has to prove it, you know, a little bit more. Um, but Lugo certainly has a track record along with Gibbons of being a top reliever. But these are all questions. I, you know, it's these aren't necessarily the questions you want to be asking a week before the playoffs start. No, it also, it also doesn't help them because I,
1: and like if they had more of a cushion division, with was sort of wrap okay. Maybe we take like Carlos Carrasco. He's not getting the rotation and put him in the bullpen, but they still need to make starts. They still might need those games.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the question about someone like Carrasco, like what, what role would he be in in the bullpen, right? Like, is he going to be a long man? You know, then, you know, you have Trevor Williams. Where does Trevor Williams fit in all this? Um, you know, I think Carrasco will be on the playoff roster, right? You know, I like why wouldn't he? He's a 16-game winner. He can easily, he can, you know, be an 18-game winner by the or whatever it is. He's got 15 wins. He can be a 17-game winner when it's all said and done. Like how, why would, wouldn't you want, you know, that kind of quality pitcher on on the staff? you know um but if they go with a four man rotation you figure one of Carrasco or Walker will go to the bullpen i kind I, I kind of feel like i like um Carrasco in that bullpen role i think his stuff plays a little bit better for it i think he i don't i don't know i just i think he has a, a longer track record you know he has he has a little bit of a history there so um but I don't know. These are these are these are questions, I guess. If they win the division for next Thursday, right? Yep. <laughs> let's let's hope are we're having this conversation next Thursday, and not like we're not talking about the wild card series.
1: Yeah, that's for sure here. And obviously, let's let's be positive here because I know Matt Twitter is very negative, but we we'll positive. We'll say they hold the Braves off and win the division here. Like if they get to the DS here, who'll be the one team to be the most difficult matchup for them? Who they could draw because they're basically in the hands. they have to back. We get the Cardinals or like the 60, where that's Philly, San Diego, or Milwaukee.
0: I'm worried most about San Diego because I like their pitching, right? And their pitch they can they can shut you down on the mound, and they did shut the Mets down on the mound. Um, in both in the home and home series they played against them. I worry about them in a wild card series. It's one of the reasons why the Mets need to win the division. Like, let someone else deal with San Diego. (laughs) You know, the Mets. It's not a good matchup for the Mets. You know, they have they can throw lefties at them. The Mets don't hit lefties you know, and that, and the, they were, ex- the Padres exploited that weakness, you know, of the Mets. So, um, you know, I think the Cardinals are always tough, like, no matter what, like, you know, you look at their roster and you say, oh, well, how does this team in the postseason?" And then you, you know, the, everybody seems to be a good player. You know, you look at the baseball card and everybody had a good year every year for the Cardinals. Right. I mean, you know, Paul Goldschmidt is, you know, pro- he'll probably win the MVP if I had to guess. Um you know Nolan Arenado is Nolan Arenado, you know. So and you know yadi Molina will always be well haunt the Mets as for, for the rest of his life. You know as will Adam right? So you know there's no there's no slouch on the National League side of this. I think though the one that the the team that the Mets at least in the early rounds anyway have to worry about is you know is, is San Diego. I think that they can exploit the Mets' weakness the most. Yeah, I would agree that nobody says the Cardinal because of the history and how what the Cardinals do. The Cardinals
1: don't match up with the Mets as well as San Diego does. You mentioned just because of the well, actually they can throw at the Mets, and the Mets don't really hit lefties.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. And um that's not to say, I mean, the Braves are formidable against them because they have all those lefties, they have like three lefties in the bullpen, and they can just shut the Mets down late in games, which they've done over the course of the year. But um and I think you're going to see them use that strategy over the weekend. I don't know if I think Max Fried is pitching at some point this weekend. Yeah, he is. You have Freed, you have Minter, you have uh, um, no, a couple others down there too. We can't think of their names at the moment. Um, but um, you know, yeah, it's it's a problem the Mets have, and you just hope they overcome it. You know, during the postseason, otherwise, you know, the, I mean, you know, the Dodgers can also throw multiple left-handers at at the Mets, and you know, in, in a potential NLCS matchup, so. Um, I guarantee that it's going to be a strategy from the other teams, and we'll just have to see if the Mets respond. Yeah, that's. I feel like the,
1: that's why I felt the division is so imperative for the Mets because even if they do get out of the wild card series, they would still have to deal with the Dodgers in the NLDS. Like, Messi, they throw a whole left-hand rotation at the Mets in the NLDS, and that would not be fun.
0: Right. I mean, that's 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 the fear that you know that you you have what what the how many start lefty starters that they have. Dave, I think the Dodgers have two or three lefty starters, and I, then I mean I, that's I, the thing about the Dodgers—they're amazing, and they don't even have you know Dustin May or Walker Buehler you know throwing <laughs> right now. So I mean, that's how awesome that starting pitching is.
1: Yeah, and I think if I did my math correct, I think the they would be able to throw potentially Urias, Kershaw, Urias, uh, right? Tyler, uh, Tyler Anderson, and maybe and Gonzalez would be the only right the Mets that's seen that series.
0: Right, Gonson is yeah. I can't remember if they got I don't think they got to Gonsolin in the last in the series at City Field right I think I, they I think it was yeah I think it was
1: three lefties I think it was uh Haney
0: Kersh, Kershaw and Anderson yeah. yeah they got to Haney a little bit but he shut him down you know after you know when he settled down and shut him down that's right yeah
2: all right so, so- I mean
0: but that's you know I'm sure that you know team's are looking at the Mets and saying how do we get by Scherzer and DeGrom right how do we how do we beat Edwin Diaz you know how do we get you know someone like how, how do we how do we shut down the tandem of Lindor and and Alonso, which has been the most productive three four combination in baseball? They have two hundred and twenty some odd RBIs between them, right? I mean that's a difficult. You know the Mets are you know we're, we're, we're talking about the Mets like they'll be underdogs in any series that they're in, and I mean pretty much everyone against everyone except the Dod for the Dodgers will be you know will be underdogs to the Mets, right? I mean I think that's just being fair. I mean the Mets are. A really, really, really good team, and the Dodgers may be a smidge better, but Mets also won the season series against them. So there's, um you know, there's a little bit there, there's a good history there.
1: Absolutely. My last thing I want to touch on here is obviously you met, you brought Francisco Lindor here, and I feel like for all the crap he got last year for the and he was not good last year. I mean, he's been incredible this season. I mean, he. Like, he had 100 RBIs as a shortstop here. He's played great defense, right? He's had a lot, big power boost. I feel like there's not enough people giving credit to Lindor's year-two bump here. I feel like he's sort of been, like, swallowed up by the nebula his Alonzo and the pitching staff.
0: Yeah. Um, and he also got off to a slow start, and there were concerns there about, you know, okay, like, did the, are the Mets, you know, did the Mets, you know, just get swallowed up by a long-term deal? But I think this is, I mean, he's having... The most productive year of his career you know at this point and look he's been fantastic on both sides of the ball he's a gold glove potential gold glove candidate is short you know he's hit from both sides of the plate, specifically in the second half I and mean, he's been he's been absolutely amazing and i mean i noted it the other day on social media um you know so um i think like you said he he becomes you know he gets a little under discussed because of alonzo but Alonzo is, you know, part of, you know, the, those two are, you know, have a symbiotic relationship in, in the lineup and, um, you know, one feeds off the other. And I, I, I've i been saying for months now, wherever, where the, the offense goes, where and Alonzo take it, right. I never, ever fail to mention one or the other. Like it's, they're both crucially important to the, to the flows of that lineup. And um, when they're hitting the Mets are, you're not beating them. Like no one's beating them. Right. But when they're not hitting, it's really difficult for them to score runs and um, like really difficult. Like they're scoring, like, you know, anywhere between two and four runs a game when those two were are slumping. So they have to make sure they, you know, are going into October hot, you know, and with that, the same energy they're showing right now. Right. I mean, as it has to continue, otherwise, you know, it's going to be very difficult for them in the postseason. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it certainly. will, Michael, thanks a lot of time. Really appreciate. It. Before I let you go, I can people follow social media, keep up with your coverage over at Just Mets.
0: Yeah, so I mean, we have a, a daily newsletter at, now at JustMets.net. Um You can subscribe; um, it's free. We don't charge anything. We, you know, we love doing it every single day. Um, you can follow me. You can follow Just Mets on Twitter at Just underscore Mets, um, and um, you know, I'm I, I of course I'm at Michael G Barron on Twitter. And um always willing to chat on you know on social media with anybody who wants to talk about the Mets. My policy is keep it clean, keep it classy, and um, that's really it. <laughs> Sounds good to me, Michael. Thanks a all the time, really appreciate it. Uh, you bet anytime. Thanks for having me again.
2: Show me the money. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Make feel to say that.
0: All
1: right, show me the money. NFL picks are here for week number four. Joining me today, uh, my favorite Buccaneers fan, Charlie Borzier. Charlie, how are you?
3: I'm doing good, Mike. How you been?
1: Pretty good, you know, like right now I've been so wrapped up with our Mets trying to, you know, make this run and win the division that, you know, the football season's kinda of flying by.
3: Yeah. I've been waiting for the uh the finale of the season and hopefully the Mets come out on top of the NL East, but I'm, I'm just happy we're in the postseason.
1: Yeah, that's definitely nice. They'll really be watching the Mets a lot over the next few weeks. So us talk about your football team here, because obviously they were two and zero. they lose to green Bay, obviously down a ton of weapons because Mike has got suspended. A bunch of guys got hurt here. Like what was your big takeaway from that game?
3: They are not as bad as, as if they look, they just had no personnel. Uh, Obviously, losing Ryan Jensen, their center, hurts. Donovan Smith, their left tackle, hurts. Ali Marpet, who retired in the offseason, that really hurts. Um, They just have no offensive line right now. And I think this is the first time that Tom Brady has actually had to face any adversity whatsoever in his three years with the Bucs. This is actually his third year. Wow. Time flies by after he won a Super Bowl. Um, They just need a little bit of help. They need the next man up mentality and obviously it didn't work out against Green Bay. They could not get anything offensively going whatsoever. But if Evans can come back, Godwin can come back healthy, Julio Jones can come back healthy, they should be as dangerous as they were last year, or even two years ago.
1: Yeah, I want to talk about Brady, too, because the thing that's weird with this situation is, obviously, we had the whole dramatic odds. Oh, he retires, then he comes back, then he disappears for a couple of weeks in camp, and now, like... He hasn't looked like himself to start the year. We have the rumors that his marriage is on the rocks, and it's impacting his play on the field. Like, I feel like it's just a massive distraction right now with what's going on with Brady.
3: I would agree, but this is this is just me as a fan. It's things like this where people just need to mind their own business. <laughs> I know, I know, it's his marriage is on the rocks, but it's his marriage. It, even though he's a public figure, it's his marriage. But who who are we to? Judge him for whatever is going on. Maybe his marriage may not even be on the rocks. It's just a rumor going around right now. He said it in the uh, in the offseason when he hit when he says there's 11 days off. He's 46 years old. He's got a lot of things going on. There, there's many reasons. I knew the math singer was a rumor as to why he missed those days. I have my own theory. It, 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 everybody has their own theory. It, he looks fine. Tom Brady's always kind of gone off low this is normally the time where he kind of just takes off so i'm i'm expecting him to take off in the next week or so here
1: yeah they thing i'm curious about is like yes all the off the field stuff is is whatever it is and people are focus on the giselle stuff and all that but to me my question is like watching him play it's like i saw it at the end of last year too like do you worry with him that maybe he, this is one year too long for him and maybe he should have just retired last year
3: no, because people have been saying that he should have retired last year for the last decade for him, and he's won what like, three Super Bowls in the last decade, if something like that. I think with Brady, it's something that is so unprecedented that everybody's been calling for the the, the Mac Kellerman Tom Brady cliff, if you will. It's supposed to have happened every year for the last decade. But I don't expect this year to be this year. I just think the first couple weeks have been rough because of the new offensive line. Um, it, all of his weapons at receiver haven't been healthy. His tight ends are virtually non-existent, especially without Rob Gronkowski. I also don't know what, don't know why they don't use Kyle Rudolph more because from what I saw yesterday, he did fine. Um, so I don't think that the Tom Brady-Cliff is a thing quite yet. Come back to me in a couple of weeks, and my answer may be different. All
1: right, we'll keep an eye on that, obviously. And They had a big game this week, probably the game of the week. They had the Chiefs on side of the football here, and obviously, one thing you have to like as a Buck fan is that Tom Brady's basically had Mahomes' number for the most part in his career here, and both these things are coming off losses loss year. What do you think has to happen here for the Bucks to win this game?
3: The uh, Super Bowl a couple of years ago. do <laughs> The exact same thing to him. Yep. Yeah. I know Todd Bowles, in my personal and humble opinion, the wrong choice for the head coach, head coaching position. I think that should have been Byron Leftwich. However, with that being said, Todd Bowles' defense is still really good. If you look at the three games that Tampa Bay played this year, it, let's see: Matt, twenty-seven points allowed in three games against the Cowboys' offense, who had Dak Prescott at the time. I know the Saints haven't been as good as advertised, and Aaron Rodgers is always Aaron Rodgers, but only allowing 27 points in those three games to bring the house against Patrick Mahomes like he did in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, I think they'll be fine. Um, But once again, it's the offense that scares me. But if Julio Jones, Mike Evans, I know he's coming back from suspension, he's going to play with the chip on his shoulder. because He also should not have gotten suspended if he got... Defended Marshawn Lattimore should also have got defended, but that's neither here nor there. That's just my tunnel vision of being a fan. And I think they'll be fine if they just bring the house and make minor adjustments on offense. Buck should be fine against the uh the Chiefs this Sunday.
1: Yeah, I'm just hoping that this game actually ends up being good because most of the sight night cases here have been absolutely terrible.
3: Yes. Yeah. The with the Broncos and oh, uh, it, the game was so 49ers. I was about to say that game was so boring. I forgot who was playing in it. Um, it was one of those games where you watch and you go, "I don't know why I wasted three and a half hours of my life watching this. I could have just read the game recap the next morning."
1: Yeah, I think I tweeted on something. Like I said, "This is a masterclass in punting and punt coverage. It's not exactly what you want on the prime the prime time NFL showcase."
3: is exactly what I was kind of. It was kind of like the Rutgers Iowa game. Yeah, <laughs> so going in going into it. It was nationally televised game on on Fox. We're all like, "But why? We we know punting is a, a crucial part of the game, but you don't don't need to put it on national television."
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Let's get to the pick. Is the reason why you're here. My friend Nick Fratto was here last week. He went two and one on the week. He laid the six with the Bills. Lost that one. He did win on the Bengals game, laying five against my Jets, and he won with the Broncos, getting one and a half points. So he had action on that Sunday night game. So that was not great. I went heads up with him on two of the games. I won the Dolphin game plus six. I had the Forty Nine er game laying point and a half. Lost that one. I also lost with the Chargers laying the seven against the Jaguars. And Charlie, I have no idea what happened that game.
3: <laughs> uh, just Herbert. Yeah, you should not have played. Yeah, that, probably, probably, yeah. Should, probably should not have you know, no. The rib injuries and quarterbacks don't normally mix well, especially with the Chargers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, on the year. Team Challenger is 4 and 5 i I'm 9-3-6. and six. Slow starts all around. Let's see if we can get some momentum going here and get some good vibes going with the picks here for Week 4. Charlie, you're up first. Where are you going with pick number
3: one? The line has changed since uh, we talked about this, but the Bills are still giving 3.5 on the road against the Ravens. I am taking the Ravens all day long. Lamar Jackson has been absolutely on fire. The Bills' defense did not do too hot against two of in Miami, they're kind of banged up in the secondary. I expect the Ravens to take those three and a half points and absolutely destroy the Buffalo Bills. I bet I may fight those words, but that's what I believe is going to happen in Baltimore. Hey, you know, having Lovar Jackson home as a dog is not a bad play. And uh, my second pick will be a little bit different um, than what people are going to be expecting. The Jets are getting three points on the road at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just moved to Pittsburgh and from what everybody is saying and from what I'm hearing and what I'm watching, the Steelers' offense is terrible. They can't get anything going. Um, You're a Jets fan. You would know more than me. I believe Zach Wilson may be coming back this week. Am I wrong? As of right now, he's on track to come back. So he's on track to come back. I I think he's gonna come back on fire and the Jets are going to win on the road against the, the Steelers, who are led by Mitch Trubisky. I think we, we might see a Kenny Pickett sighting on Sunday. I'm
1: surprised we get the Kenny Pickett sighting this week because, I mean, the Steelers haven't done much on offense all three games.
3: I would agree. And my last pick, the Tennessee Titans are on the road against the Indianapolis Colts. They're getting three and a half. I'm taking the Titans t- over the Colts in the Indianapolis. Matt Ryan has not looked too good in Indianapolis so far. Hasn't looked comfortable. And Derrick Henry flew like a bat out of hell last Sunday. And I'm expecting another repeat performance from Henry. And the Colts won't be able to stop him.
1: Yeah, that for me is a complete stay away game for me. I have no feel on either team right now. So but props to you for actually having a good good read on that game.
3: Hey, I, I try to do my homework for these.
1: <laughs> All right. I'm up now. Pick number one. i should actually going heads up with you on that Bills-Ravens game. I'm taking the Bills, laying the three and a half points in that game. And I know that Lamar has been unstoppable this year. But for me, I've watched the way they've played. They are having issues with secondary. And I feel like Gabriel Davis, Stefan Diggs, Isaiah McKenzie are going to run circles around the, Bills, around the Ravens secondary here. I feel like it's also Buffalo's going to be very mad after they lost last week. I feel like they're going to take it out on the Ravens here. I'll go heads up with you on that one. Take the Bills.
3: Uh, may the best man win, and I do believe the best man will be Lamar Jackson.
1: Alright, we'll see about that one. Pick two, though. We're doing a family play on the Jets here, but getting the three points here, I love that pick because I feel like the Steeler offense has done nothing here. I think the upgrade from Joe Flacco to to Zach Wilson, assuming he plays this game, is going to be massive here, and I do think the Jets have the weapon here. This is a must-win spot for them. The next three games after this are Miami at home, and they go to Green Bay and Denver, so if they want to have any kind of year, they have to win this game. I think they're going to Feel the pressure here. If think they're going to perform well. I think Zach doesn't come out of the gate hot here. Jets plus three. Family play, Charlie.
3: I would agree. If you look at the Steelers' defense, too. They haven't – they've been okay, but they haven't been great. They haven't been the iron curtain that we, we've known them to be. Uh, they've lost 29-17 last week to the Browns, and the Browns don't even have their best quarterback, which is another topic for another day. Yeah, I know T.J. Watt in that game is huge for the Jets. The
1: Jets had issues on the offensive line, so not having to deal with him is going to be big.
3: Absolutely. TJ Watt is a huge part of that defense, and him out for a while. It takes them back a, a few pegs. All
1: right. That pick two. Pick three. This is going to be a sort of a circle of the wagons pick here. I'm going to ride the Raiders, gang the two at home against Denver this week. Denver does not look very good. We watched Sunday football, see they look right here. I think they feel like this Raiders team is too talented to be out in four, and they kind of have to get themselves going here. I feel like two points a very good number to lay. I feel like they're going to get going here. I feel like they're going to have a little bit healthier weapons this week, which should help here. I also think that, you know, pressure starting to build there as well. I think the Raiders need this game a lot more than Denver does, and I feel like they're going to come out here, come out hot. I'm only laying two, so he has a field goal win, I guess. I'm going to lay roll with the Raiders this week for the last pick.
3: I would go with the Broncos there. You know, towards the end of the game, you saw a little bit of old Russell Wilson come out. I think he's Nathaniel Hackett, I don't know if that's the name of the head coach of the Broncos, but all I know is that he's not good. Um, but you kind of saw old cool Russell Wilson come out a little bit. I think he he's going to come out against uh, the Raiders and continue what he had towards the end of the game on Sunday night.
1: All right, so we will see what happens there with that pick. So to reset what we got going on here for the week, we have Charlie's taking the Ravens lay, getting three and a half at home against the Bills. The Jets getting three on the road against the Steelers. The Titans plus three and a half in Indian is in the Colts. So Charlie, three underdogs for you this week.
3: Yeah, I like the underdogs. Um I've always been raised to root for the underdogs, so might as well keep the uh keep the pick going.
1: All right, so my picks. I'm going heads up with Charlie on the on the Bill Raven getting the Bills laying three and a half on the road. We're going family play on the Jets plus three, and go with the Raiders minus two in, at home against Denver. Those are your picks for week number four. Coming up next week on the pack, I'll be joined by Kevin Walsh Jr. from Sports. We talk about his Eagles too, and Charlie. They have been red hot to start the
3: season. Philly. I am aware of the Eagles coming off of their hot start. Um, I learned the hard way. I had Devonte Smith on my bench for playing football this past week because the first week I had him he had zero points and I was like oh it's just the Eagles and then the next week he did mediocre and then last week he uh, had 31 points on the bench so I learned that one the hard way but I mean for the Eagles I guess yeah
1: <laughs> yeah I mean you bet, you benched Devontae Smith I lost to Devontae Smith in one of my leagues
3: he, the thing was I was actually contemplating on cutting him yeah because he he got zero points And I was like, you know what? It's the Eagles. They're not going to continue. They're not even going to be that good anymore. That's what I thought. I thought they were just a flash in the pan towards the end of last season. And now I'm learning that the hard way.
1: Good thing you didn't cut him, though.
3: Yeah. But then again, if I look at who's currently on my team, I don't know what to do because he's on my bench and my other wide receivers are scary, Perry and Adam Thielen, who could score three touchdowns in one game or have absolutely nothing. So, fantasy is just a weird, a weird concept to me.
1: Yeah, fantasy is always very challenging. I mean, I'm one and two in one league. I'm two and one in another one. So, it basically tells you how my year is going. It's like just okay, whatever. We're we're there.
3: Middle of the pack. We'll take it.
1: Yeah, middle of the, the pack. As, as, as long as we get in, it's all that counts. Exactly. All right, Charlie. Thanks a little time. Really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I'll be following you on Twitter. i to keep up with some of your thoughts on the Bucks and all the other things.
3: Uh, I honestly forget the name of my Twitter handle. I changed it before. Uh, it's at Charlie Borges Jr. Um, just right now it's hockey season. I'm more geared toward, towards hockey season. I'm still writing for Puck and Pitchforce. have a couple things coming out later on this week, early next week. So be uh, on the lookout for anything related to that. But then again... The Buccaneers could be absolutely horrible this Sunday night, I and mean, you know I will be very vocal. Yeah,
1: you know, let's now. I guess get to see some hockey in Pittsburgh, as you can see, a lot of
3: teams come in. Yeah, Devils don't play till December in Pittsburgh, so I have to wait a little bit to see my team unless I go back home to to Jersey.
1: All right, well, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, you know they're due for a good year, so maybe we'll see what happens there. Charlie, thanks for all the time. Really appreciate
3: it. And I brought my the two minute drill.
1: All right, two minute drill time. I got to talk about this Apple T V plus situation and Major League Baseball made this deal in the offseason with Apple TV to get them the exclusive Friday Night Baseball broadcast with their terrible broadcast crews. The production value on the on the uh camera work is nice, but the actual get- broadcast is obviously a lot to be desired. And the way they handled this week, the final the season finale of Apple of Friday Night Baseball, if you will. They mishandled this very badly. Remember, again, exclusivity. So if your team gets picked to be on Apple, you have to watch that screen or you're out of luck. You can't watch the game. There were two games this week involved with potential pursuits of history on the season finale. Yankees-Red Sox, Aaron Judge going for the American League home run record, trying to pass Roger to 61. Albert Pujols, two homers away from 700 in the cardinal Dodge game. The Judge went on to get all the attention here in New York because the Yankees doing everything they possibly could to get that game more accessible for their fans. They offered to... You know, help produce it. Apple said no. They offered to sh- share the uh, Apple broadcast on yes. Apple said no. Which, to be fair, Apple gains nothing from this because their whole idea behind the baseball is, you know, we want to get people signed up for Apple TV Plus. And therefore, if we have an event that people want to see, they should sign up for it. And they, they did nothing wrong here. This is their contractually negotiated right to do this. The group who did it wrong here is mainly baseball. They did their fantasy disservice of not making it easier to see potential history. NLB is not the National Football League. National Football League is the dominant league nationally where every game matters. Baseball has so many games, it doesn't really matter on a day to basis. But even the NFL gave their Thursday night football rights to Amazon Prime, but they put them over the air in the local market. So like if you were a Chiefs or Chargers fan in Week 2, you got to see the game on your local TV broadcast while everybody else had to sign for Prime. Yes offer to simply, you know, carry the Apple feed on yes. So, okay, like, it's the Apple broadcast, the Apple announcers. It should be a theoretical, you know, like, easy win for baseball. Like, okay, you can watch the game on yes. Like, we'll show the Apple product. Apple's a good product. I will get people sign up for it. NLB refused. They claim NLB that Apple is, quote-unquote, a national broadcast, just like Fox and ESPN's broadcasts are. This makes no sense because even though it's still free, and credit to Apple, this is free. Unlike Peacock, where you actually have to, actually to pay the, to get on the premium tier to watch the games on the Sunday package. It's still hard for people actually access Apple. Which I means if you don't have an Apple product, you don't have an Apple iPhone or an iPad, or you don't have a smart TV, it's not that easy to do it. The league wouldn't even offer cut-ins, like breaking into LV networks, like, oh, here's Aaron Judge's zip bad or here's Albert Pujols' zip bad They didn't do that. They did all this just to force people over to Apple. They are very lucky the Yankee fans did not have to miss the Judge Bombs. He still had not hit, by the way, as of recording on Monday, after, Monday morning. Pools did, however, hit $699 and 700 on Apple TV+. Credit to Wayne Randazzo, that radio guy doing the call. Good job there, but who knows how many got to see it from the Cardinals' perspective. Remember 2007, though? The pace going for a 16-0 season on NFL Network? And that was the exclusive Saturday night game, I think, then against the Giants at the old Meadowlands. Many times not have NFL Network at this point. The NFL stepped in and simulcast across three separate channels. They used the NFL Network feed and put it on a big CBS, NBC, a big ABC charity too. Three networks to ever sure everyone could see that game. Putting that game or at least on the air in the local market is a no-brainer because you want to say, hey, look at this cool product. Make it easier for people to access it. And when you have these historic moments like the bond, like the uh, Aaron Judd's pursuit of his Roger Maris's record, or Pooh Holes going for 700. Only three other guys in the history of baseball have done, by the way. You should the to cut into that nationally, no matter whether it's uh, MLE Network doing it, ESPN doing it. Somebody should be able to have access to it. You want to grow the game, not hide behind a stupid paywall. Great going, guys. And with that, I want to end this week's show. I want to thank, I guess, uh, Julian Gallardi for talking about the Yankees' top of the show, Michael Barron. Fun conversation on the Mets as they are entering a critical week of their season here. And Charlie Boras doing the NFL picks for week number four. We're going to this podcast. To look what the Yankee potential playoff roster is going look like. I broke it all down. Check out the blog over at justinthesuffering.wordpress.com. Check out the Sky Guys podcast this week. We have, obviously, the Andrew Beers and the Justin The Suffering feed. We also have a bonus news episode where Nick and Friday and I broke down the Star Wars news came out from D23 and whatnot. That's exclusive to the uh, Sky Guys feed. Also, you like the Andor recaps we're going to be having, they'll be on this feed a couple of days later than they are on Sky Guys. So if you want them right away, subscribe to the Sky Guys feed, same podcast platform mentioned on top of the show. Also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-3-3-1. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Coming up next week on the podcast, we're going to have, you know, some hockey talk. The base, remember, NHL season's coming up pretty quickly. The baseball playoffs are here, NFL picks, and more. Until then, have a better week than the Raider fans.
0: Come on and meet the Mets.
1: Meet the Mets.
0: Step right up and greet the Mets. Bring your kiddies, bring your wife. Guaranteed you have the time.